Hey guys, this is the sixth episode of the Will and Cody Show. Uh, we appreciate you guys listening. We have a special guest this time. Mr. Kevin Youngblood has decided to share with us some of his knowledge and wisdom. Sir, we really appreciate you uh, being on the show. Yeah, it's an honor to be here. I, I can tell you, I can tell you a hundred ways not to do stuff. So. <laughs> That's sometimes just as important. <laughs> so it's part of the hey, wisdom. Yeah. Thank you for uh, for jumping on with us. And uh, those that are watching this, you may be able to tell uh, there is some familial uh, relation here. We got the same last name. So this is actually my dad. And so really honored that he would join us. And so he's, uh, you know, a lot of the inspiration behind what Cody and I do and why we were interested in this topic and why we kind of got into just really digging into personal finance in the first place. Uh, uh, so definitely excited that he was able to jump on uh, with us. Uh, so dad, uh, if you don't mind, just introduce yourself to those who maybe don't know you, you know, give kind of the, the quick synopsis, if you will, of maybe what you've been through or uh, what kind of led you up to where you are now. Hey, fantastic. Great being with you guys. Uh, I love both of you. I'm proud of both of you. You're doing a great job. The only thing I will tell you is that typically you want to put your best foot forward. And so if you're going to try that, your first guess, you don't bring out me. You know what I'm saying? No, so, this is best uh, foot forward right here. <laughs> uh, no. Hey, uh, Kevin Youngblood, I've been married to my wife, Margie, for 35 years. I uh, history teacher predominantly. My wife uh, is a math teacher. And um, so uh, I grew up in a f strong family of ministry. My dad was a pastor for 50 years. His dad, my grandfather, was a pastor. And so everybody just assumed that I was going to go in the family business of ministry. Uh, what I discovered is that I enjoyed teaching and I enjoyed coaching. And so I started doing that straight out of college. I uh, uh, started teaching, started working with kids that were struggling in the classroom. Uh, and at the age of 37, I got this idea of how can we use a computer uh, to engage kids, to diagnose where their gaps are in their learning, and then prescribe content customized to them and use some cutting edge technology to do it. And so in uh, February of 2001, 20 years ago this month, wow. uh, if you can believe wow. that, uh, I sat down at a Waffle House, drew out a business idea on a napkin, and me and a couple of business partners launched this thing. And uh, it took off. And over a 14-year period of time, uh, or 15-year period of time, it grew to five, close to 500 employees. Uh, and we sold it to a venture capital group in January of 2016 for $140 million. Wow. And uh, it was an incredible journey. Uh, it made a lot of difference in kids' lives, uh, a lot of rewarding moments. Uh, and so, uh, and then um, uh, since that time, I've, I've done a couple of different things. I've served on the board at Arizona State University for their Center for Entrepreneurship. And then two years ago, Grand Canyon University approached me and asked me to help launch an innovation center uh, where we took over an old swap meet building and we put 32 software companies in there. And basically, I coach them up every day. I have um, uh, meetings with them and I just say, hey, what's holding you up? What are you struggling with? And I try to coach them and teach them. And so at the end of the day, that's uh, that's my story. Along the way, I was in the Marine Corps, went to Desert Storm. I made a lot of failures. I flew all over the world, been in 44 countries. What else you want to know? Love barbecue. 
<laughs> that's awesome. That's so, all. Yeah, you were a marine. You were uh, so much stuff. That's that's crazy. Your st- your story is amazing. Um, we want to ask you. Uh, we're going to ask you several questions and just kind of get your your wisdom and guidance on on some stuff. Mainly financial topics. Uh, mainly some financial topics, but mostly uh, we may talk a little bit about business too. And um, cool. uh, so we want to ask you: Do you think in this economy and the, just the world we live in right now, do you think anybody can succeed and build wealth? Uh, I think the free enterprise system is by far the greatest single creator of wealth that's ever been designed uh, in the history of mankind. I, are there impediments? Are there challenges? No question. Can we do a better job? Absolutely. And we need to do a better job of making sure that everybody has the opportunity. Uh, I'm going to riff just for a second. Uh, one of the things we need the government to do is use its its authority <clears throat> to, to make sure that monopolies uh, don't keep people from having opportunities. Mm-hmm. America should be the land of opportunity. And for me, coming from the Appalachia, uh, the hills of North Georgia, uh, uh, and being able to create this uh, this exciting journey uh, is a beautiful thing. And the answer is absolutely yes, it is available, but you're going to have to apply yourself. Uh, a lot of the things you're going to be taught in school and a lot of the things you're going to pick up in culture are the wrong ideas if you're going to be successful. Uh, you're going to have to learn a new way of thinking uh, because what's being modeled for most of the kids today is not what was modeled for me. Mm-hmm. I had the opportunity to see great leaders up front, whether it was at home, it was in my church, it was in the Marine Corps, it was in business, it was in sports. I saw leadership exemplified, and a leadership looked like people making sacrifices for other people, people doing sacrificial things and being disciplined and working hard. And sometimes those messages don't come through. Uh, But if you believe those concepts that made America great, then absolutely it is the land of opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Do you feel like I think, you know, one thing, you know, observed just from your story is a lot of people might consider that a late start, as you mentioned, like being, you know, 37 and launching um, a software company. So do you think that timing worked out in your favor of having a little experience first? Or do you kind of wish you would have maybe made that jump uh, to start something on your own sooner? Yeah, great question. Uh, I have, uh, I've always been entrepreneurial. I've always been think outside the box. I, I'm not the type person that likes working for a company for 40 years. That's just not me. Uh, I've got to be out uh, trying stuff and being, you know, throwing mud against the wall, see what sticks and, and making mm-hmm. something of nothing. I love that. The answer to your question, I started Odyssey where when I was 37, almost 38, I was within two months or a few months of being 38 years old. And to be honest with you, I was not ready uh, to build something like Odysseyware until then. Uh, some people come straight out of high school or out of college and they've got maturity, they're thinking ahead, they've got the set of life experiences that they need, and they're ready to go do what Zuckerberg did with Facebook or Steve Jobs did you know, with, with, uh, with, uh, with Apple or Bill Gates did with Microsoft. It was not until I was 37, 38 
that I had the set of experiences that when I saw this idea and it became crystal clear in my mind, it was like I was put on planet Earth to do this. And I also knew that I was going to have to work harder and scrap harder because if I wanted it, I was going to have to work for it. Uh, whereas if I'd have been in my early 20s, I might have thought, well, I got a lot of opportunity and and maybe if this don't work out, I can always go do this other mm-hmm. thing. And by the time you get in your late 30s, you're like, I need to get this thing figured out. Right. So, yeah. Did you do anything, um, you know, as we just talk about like personal finance, how did that kind of play into you wanting to, you know, start a business? Did that affect your strategy a little bit as far as wanting to maybe suck some money away? you know, to start a business down the road? Um, or was that kind of a, you know, we'll see as it goes along? Or did you kind of make some preparations with that? Um, no, that's a, that's a great question. I, um, well, first off, I started off by doing it stupid for about <laughs> seven to eight years. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I, I didn't make a lot of money as a teacher. And so, Uh, I really had not been around any kind of uh, leveraging resources or money or anything like that. So I did it stupid, got in debt and did crazy dumb things. And uh, when I came back from Desert Storm after serving the country and the Marines over there, I came back and found that I was uh, significantly in debt, you know, for somebody my age and my station in life. And I made some decisions at that point that were critical. And I made the decisions that I will never let money and debt beat me up like this ever again. I will get, I will master my money. I will get it under control because then I can leverage it and use it. And that would have been around the age of 27, 28 or so. Uh, And so between then and when I launched Odyssey Wear, I, st- I got a real disciplined program of of uh, budget, living beneath my means so that I had money to give generously and also to invest. And I saved up $30,000 okay. in about eight or nine years, which for me on a teacher's salary was a boatload of money. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. uh, it took a long time to get there. And so when I was going to launch uh, Odyssey Wear, Uh, I put that money at risk and I was like, I'm going to risk that amount of money. Uh, William, you know, your mother is always the practical. She's the smartest person in the room. Uh, You know, she's always very analytical. And her main concern was she just said, I don't want to lose the house. I was like, all right, then we'll build this thing and I won't we won't borrow money. And when that money's gone, I'll pull the ripcord and we're out of there. And so it forced me to build it fast. It forced me to get zeroed in on selling the product. In fact, I went out and sold vaporware before I sold Odyssey (laughs) wear. And so you got to go out and sell the idea because time's burning and you got to get after it. If I had not, if I had not gone through that experience of making dumb decisions and making those significant changes in my life of how I viewed money and how I budgeted money, I would have never had the $30,000 to have risked when the idea came across my path. And that's something a lot of people struggle with. They have good ideas, but they haven't disciplined themselves and gotten themselves in a position to execute on that idea once it's uh, once it's time to do that. Yeah. Wow. No, that's very good. Yeah. I um, Just a, a side note, there's um, 
kind of another guy that I follow and I'm going to read his book soon. Um, uh, he's a former Navy SEAL and I'm blanking on his name. I'll remember it later. But he has a quote that he basically says that discipline equals freedom. And so mm. basically saying if you're disciplined in the short term, it gives you freedom in the long term because you've already taken care of the things you needed to. Freedom, you know, kind of at all times, you're going to have to be disciplined later because you're not going to have a choice, you know. So if you're disciplined now, and as you mentioned, you know, um, kind of learning those mistakes and getting, you know, your money under control, I think that allowed you the freedom then when an idea came to go pursue it. You know, would you agree? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, you know, my dad, uh, with the little money he made as a pastor of churches, uh, he was good with money. He, he managed it really well. Never, He wasn't able to take many high risk, uh, but he was very disciplined with that. And I got to see that. The guy who influenced me early on was a guy by the name of Larry Burkett. Uh, he was the forerunner to a guy named mm-hmm. Dave Ramsey, you guys have probably mm-hmm. heard of. Uh, but Larry Burkett was there from North Georgia, and he taught seminars on financial freedom. And it totally changed my thinking about money. Uh, you know, money is a wonderful, uh, wonderful uh, if it works for you, mm. but it is a terrible master. If, yeah. if it's a master and it's telling mm-hmm. you what to do, that's a rough life. I wouldn't want it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned the, the budget. I'm just curious, do you still follow a budget? Man, I look at you, man, dropping the <laughs> word on me. Uh, I, I do. I don't follow a strict budget, obviously, because I'm at a different place in life. Right. Uh, you know, when I was much younger, you know, you'd go in and you'd look at me. If you're going into a restaurant, you'd look on the right side of the menu first to find out what you could afford. And then you run it across to the left and find out that it's liver and onions. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, it, but it's, you know, so you'd figure out what you could afford and then you'd figure out, all right, I guess I'm going to like that for dinner tonight. That's going to be yeah. my choice. <laughs> Obviously, I don't, you know, I don't do that, uh, but uh, because I try to enjoy my money uh, yeah. now because we work so hard for it. Uh, but I do have a general budget and we track it. We know where our money goes. And the reason is this, no matter what station you are in life, you want to create margin. One of the problems with Americans today is we don't have margin. We don't create margin with our time. And so we're constantly stressed about our time. We don't create margin with our money, and we're constantly stressed about money. If you live on less than what you make, then you have true freedom to give generously and or to, and or to invest. Uh, I've had people that I know and people who've worked for me who made significant chunks of change. I mean, I've known people that made three, four, five hundred thousand dollars a year. And they live paycheck to paycheck. Mm. And I'm just telling you, I have to scratch my head. I'm like, what in the world are you doing with your money? But at the end of the day, it's because they don't value their money. They don't respect it. So they just burn through it and they they think it's always going to be there. And then one day it's not. Mm. So, Yeah. yeah. Margin is one thing that Cody and I just love the principle of. And it's something that we emphasize a lot because I think that could work for anybody. That's the the brilliance of it is it doesn't matter what you make. As long as you spend less than you make and invest the difference, then, you know, you'll get ahead. It's not about, oh, you got to have the big salary 
that does help. Obviously, the more you make, you know, the more you could possibly invest. But it's all about that difference between what you make and what you spend. So that's, that's right. a, kind of a, um, you know, a key or a secret that Cody and I really like. Um, other than that, are there any other, you know, I don't want to say principles or kind of secrets to success that we might throw around that you kind of like and kind of followed? You know, through yeah. this. If you don't mind, well, I've actually got one quick question I want to ask. Yeah. Uh, you were just yeah. talking about a teacher's salary and that, that that's what you had for a while and you were able to build margin. A teacher's salary is pretty low. Yeah. Um, um, and, you know, that's that's kind of sad. And we can go into a whole other topic about that. But um, uh, to somebody that's making probably only, you know, 40,000 a year or something like that. And if they have just a tiny amount of margin, but they have some margin, what would you say to them? Would, is that are they going to be able to be successful? I know they won't may not be able to build wealth. There's many levels of wealth. But for somebody to that has that lower salary, they may feel like they can't, but are living on a budget and are trying hard to not be paycheck to paycheck, maybe build an emergency fund. What would you say to them about that margin, how it could help them? There's always a way. You, mm -hmm. If you've got, it doesn't matter where you are in life, you can create that margin. Uh, you can squeeze on the expenses and you can also increase your revenue. See, that's that was another problem I had. Mm -hmm. You know, when I was making teacher salary, there wasn't a lot of places you could cut. I mean, you the, the turning the lights on cost money, mm -hmm. you know, eat, eating. If I, my dad used to say if he hadn't got his kids started on the bad habit of eating, he'd have made a lot of money. You know what yeah. I'm saying? He had a lot of wealth. <laughs> It just costs money to do stuff. And yeah. so one of the day, and this is going to sound, you guys are going to think, oh my goodness, this guy is, uh, you know, he's lost more than gray hair on top of his head. Um, it dawned on me one day. Now, this is brilliant. I'm going to tell you right now, this will change your <laughs> life. I wrote my salary down on a piece of paper. And it dawned on me that there were a whole bunch of numbers above that number than there were below that number. That's fair. <laughs> now, that's genius. Yeah. That's genius. So if you want to get ahead, you got to do both things. you got to spend less and you got to make more. A lot of people have quit made doing what I used to call hustles. Man, when I was, a, when I was coming mm -hmm. up, I had two, three, four hustles going on all the time. I mean, when I was teaching school, I was also working a full-time security guard job at a missile plant. Full time, as well as teaching school full time. And on Friday nights and Saturdays, I was hanging and finishing sheetrock or I was working an Amway business. So, man, I did, you did whatever you had to do to generate that extra. So um, you got to do you got to do both if you're really going to get ahead. Uh, uh, you can you can retire comfortably. If you work a job and you manage your resources and and you get a you leverage your education to mm -hmm. do well, but if you really want to get ahead in the free enterprise system, you got to be able to get your time and your money working for you, which means that you have hustles, you start businesses, and you invest. That's the way you get ahead. Yep. Mm. Um, you know, there's a good point that Cody brought up talking about. You know, even if you're on a low salary, what can you do? Um, but, uh, you know, other than margin, would there be other things that you would, um, would you say, you know, were kind of a key to your success or like a principle that you followed? You know, along the uh, way? yeah, I, you know, everything revolves around relationships. And uh, in fact, I often tell people, if you'll introduce me to the five people you spend the most time with, I'll be able to predict your future. 
Uh, and by the way, that doesn't change. I've met people in their 50s, 60s, and they start hanging out with people that aren't pushing them in the right direction, and they make yes. dumb decisions. So yeah. uh, have it, your mother is an absolute genius. I'm telling you, on so many levels. She's very smart. She's very wise. And she was a great counterpart for me. She enabled, she, she made me times 10. You know, if I if I was good at this, she multiplied that uh, and budget was the same way. You know, we had a simple rule in our household. This was simple. And that is I would make as much money as I could and she would spend as little of it as she had to. That's fair. And, and it worked. <laughs> yeah, it worked for us. And your mother is now able to live a life of generosity and doing things that's just an incredible, incredible journey to be on. And she'll tell you that we made a great team. Mm. So, yeah, I think that's really powerful. Um, if you're married, being on the same page with your spouse can be mm -hmm. a big thing. I know that's a lot of they say a lot of fights are about money. And usually it's the lack of, you know, right. The yeah. lack oh, yeah. of money. Um, so I think getting together on the same page, usually it works out that one spouse is a little more passionate about, you know, budgeting and money than the other. But I think it's even important to get both spouses on the same page for that effect yeah. of there's always something the other one will bring that the other one doesn't see or they'll help, you know, complement that. Yeah. Well, let's be honest here. Every time you spend money, it is a judgment of value. You're making or you're making a value judgment. You're making, you know, if you decide to go to this restaurant versus that restaurant, this car versus that car and give this amount of money to the church versus this amount of money or to the nonprofit or whatever, mm. the, all of those are moral judgments. And if mm. you've got to be on the same team when it comes to your values and your morals and the money just and also how you spend your time is the same way. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I want to jump in on that that generosity a little bit. Um, and I know now that you've been able to uh, be a lot more generous and, and help. Um, I know I think you are an, an angel investor in, in, for some companies and 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 give a ton to to a lot of people, and that's that's amazing. Um, how has that helped you now? But then also, how has generosity helped you before? Uh, I guess this success. I guess pre thirty uh, seven year old Kevin. Yeah. Well, first off, you don't become a generous person after a hundred million dollar exit. Uh, generosity is a muscle that you got to mm -hmm. exercise and you got to work it and you got to be in the habit. Uh, there's a passage in scripture that says it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Mm -hmm. uh, there's the principle of sowing and reaping. Uh, and so you got to get in the habit of giving and giving generously early in life. And then that extrapolates as you move along in your success where you can do more. You know, there have been days in my life where I have been able to give away more money in one day than some people might make in a lifetime. That's an incredible, that's an incredible thing. Now that happens rarely, but it does happen. And so the deal is I didn't just become generous on those days. You got to have generosity built in. And uh, one of the goals you should have is to be the most giving person in your church or the most giving person in your community. You should be the person who gives more and, and, and is just, you know, excited about giving 
uh, generosity. But it also ha- generosity also comes with it. Uh, it brings with it responsibility because there are times when if you give somebody money, you could actually hurt them. If they're if they've got bad habits and they're not they're maybe they're in a drug addiction or whatever else, if you give them more money, you could actually kill them. Uh, organizations are the same way. There are sometimes if you give too much money to a small nonprofit, it might incentivize them to go out and buy a piece of property or start a new program, and which they don't have any of the infrastructure to tackle that whatsoever. So you have to think long term. What if I invest this money? Every day I start with this with this thought that I own nothing. There's several businesses that I'm the majority shareholder in or even a partial shareholder in, but I own nothing. God owns everything. The God of the universe holds everything. Scripture says, Psalm 24, 1, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. God owns everything, and I'm merely a steward of what his resources are, and I have a responsibility to make sure they get in the hands of people who are actually going to do good with it. Mm. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah, powerful. Like that. um, you know, I think, you know, I definitely agree that, you know, giving should happen along the process, not just at the end. And I think that's sometimes hard to see because, you know, when you're, you know, starting out, you look at you know, as we mentioned, you know, margin, you're looking at all those categories and you could say, well, I don't have room to give right now. And honestly, if you don't give along the process, I don't think you'll give at the end, you know, when you just have a lot. But, you know, also in that, I think it's a mental thing as well. Um, just being in the spirit of giving and looking out to others instead of always hoarding for ourselves. And so it can be easy to see an amount and say, well, if I just held on to that every month, I'd reach my goals, you know, this much faster. But I think also you have to think not just mathematically, but, you know, we're, you know, uh, more than just that, you know, as people, we're not just, you know, computers. Mm-hmm. And so we have to think about that as well, um, just what it does to our spirit and how it helps us see the needs of others. So we're not just focused on ourselves because that's a powerful thing of, you know, you do want to, um, you know, build wealth to be able to enjoy it, but you also want to be able to benefit others. I think that's a key thing. So you want to keep that perspective throughout, you know, as you mentioned, it's not just an end result. Oh, I made it. All right, I'll give now because I don't think you'll ever get there. You won't. You won't. Here's a, here's a general rule. And we don't talk about this much in budgets, but really your money, whatever your salary, whatever your income is, the very first check should go to God. Whatever the priorities are for your spiritual life, your church, your ministries, first check. The second check should go to you, should go to savings, investment. A lot of people will spend their whole life swapping time for money, and they won't ever invest. So you you give first, then you invest, and then after that, you pay for your lifestyle, which means yeah. your houses, your cars, your food, your groceries, whatever. But the the top is giving. Number two is investing, and then you live your lifestyle. Yeah, kind of setting that priority even just with the, the money that comes in to make sure. Because I, I have lived that way too, where we just say, oh, the remainder I'll invest, 
And it seems like that remainder always gets less and less, you know, every month unless you take it out first. That's right. And kind of set that priority, you know, ahead of time. Yeah, Yeah. I think having that, um, like for for us, I mean, it comes out of our our check, our our, uh, checking account. It's going to happen. And I always try to make sure I've got that money there for the investments. Uh, There's a book called Automatic Millionaire where he says, use your 401k. Um, and it's just going to pull right out of your check before you even get your check. That money has already been given not to investment. Don't don't think of it that way. It's actually going to you. You're paying yourself. And I think that's one thing that really helps people. Um, I've seen a lot of financial gurus say, hey, pay yourself first. But I like your point. Give first, give first, then pay yourself, then pay for your lifestyle. I, I really like that. I'm going to I'm going to remember that one. Yeah, that was really good. So, yeah, we're getting. um a little close to, to time, but I wanted to give you just, you know, if you wanted to talk a little bit about what you're kind of doing now, what are your, uh, you know, passions, what are you kind of involved in? Um, you know, if anything's really changed kind of along this journey, we'd love to kind of hear, um, you know, a little bit more about what you're up to and, and, uh, what your, what your day kind of looks like. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm privileged to serve on uh, several boards uh, people want to pick my brain and pick my wallet. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, uh, but, uh, you know, they want to get you involved because you've yeah. seen some experiences and stuff. Uh, I am most of my life, uh, is spent on a day-to-day basis teaching and coaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, Julie, my daughter, daughter, your older sister, she helped me uh, a couple of years ago. We were just talking and, she said, you know, dad, you're always, you've been a teacher and a coach all your life. And that's what you are. And that's it. I try. And, and so every moment is a teachable moment. Mm-hmm. So every time I'm doing something, I'm a, if I'm going to have to change a tire, I'm going to get somebody over there and show them how to change a tire. You know, if I've got to invest in a business, I want somebody sitting right beside me because every moment is a teachable moment. And I try to pour myself in it. You know, you two guys are two two people that I've uh, had the privilege of investing in. Uh, So I've always been teaching and coaching. I've got two businesses right now that uh, where the an entrepreneur approached me and I invested in their business and and uh, I'm the majority shareholder and chairman of the board, and I'm helping them grow it and develop it, and they're getting equity in the deal, and and uh, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing to see these things grow and and uh, do well. It it all starts, uh, and you know, at some other point, if you guys want to do a podcast about starting a business, and mm-hmm. so you know, if you ever want to go dig into that, I'll be glad to to dive into it. But again, it's the same principles. Live beneath your means and focus on revenue. Increase decrease the revenue. Uh, uh, Revenue overcomes a multitude of sins. If you've got enough (laughs) revenue coming in the door, you can mess up a lot of stuff and still be successful. If you don't have enough revenue coming in your business, you can hit everything perfect and still go out of business. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's true. Yeah, you gotta have uh, you gotta have enough coming in the door to <laughs> at least operate. You know, it'll it'll covers a lot. Um, uh, you know, kind of a lot of hiccups and things there. Yeah, it's it's hard to go out of business if you're making a profit. It can be done, <laughs> but it's hard to do. It is very yeah. That's awesome. No, that's yeah, good. I think I think we're gonna um get you again on here uh, to talk about business. That's something that Will and I haven't really 
done yet because we've been trying to get a foundation for personal finance, but business, starting a business, entrepreneurship is something we're going to be yeah. venturing into yeah. on our the blog and, and such. So, oh yeah, yeah that kind of side hustles are so, like you said, so important. It's like um, there was a uh, uh, you you've heard the song Dolly Parton Nine to Five. Well, she recently came out with a commercial that said five to nine, which is promoting people to get out there and, and do your dreams to follow those hustles and, mm-hmm. you know, create a 14, 16 hour work uh, work day. So that way you can you can, you know, one day live your dreams and and mm-hmm. and do what you do, what you love, at least. Yeah. And so we would love to have you back on here. We really appreciate you. Uh, I'm going to uh, have to watch my budget, guys, because i got to find the money <laughs> to shave my to shave this beard and cut my hair. So, <laughs> Yeah, you got to have the room. Got to yeah. have that margin. <laughs> awesome. So, All right. Well, pleasure good. being with you guys. Thank you. All right. Thank, no, thank yeah, you again, sir. This has been the uh, sixth episode of The Will & Cody Show. If you would like to um, ask us a question, if you want to ask Mr. Kevin Youngblood, a question, just hit us up on www.willandcody.com. We'll be sure to send that question over to him and uh, maybe we'll feature him on the next podcast or one down down the road. But again, uh, this is the sixth episode of Will and Cody Show and we appreciate you guys listening.